What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of SSPN Live. My name's Jude. I I every sides, time I still can't get it right. I, I it's just the orientation; it's backwards. So the way I'm moving, y'all y'all know what I'm talking about. If y'all have used Zoom or anything like that before, anyways, I'm Jude. That's Ethan, and we're back here to talk a little Spurs. So the last time that we met was before the Bucks game on Friday, which was a little bit of kind of misleading. Obviously, the Spurs got the win, but Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Giannis, and Pat Connaughton all out in that game. So really, that wasn't too surprising to see the Spurs squad kind of beat the Bucks backups because at that rate, when you take out all those guys, the Spurs do have more talent than them. So that wasn't too surprising. I think 118 to 93, it was somewhere around there. So good dub for the Spurs that Friday. And then they had a doubleheader this to start this week, I don't know what I was going to, I was about to say this weekend, to start this week, Monday and Tuesday, had the Golden State Warriors on Monday on Run TMC night. That was fun to watch, not. Um, and then, of course, last night against the Portland Trailblazers, who are number one in the West right now. Um, I mean, just to give a little bit of thoughts on them, to see they got Shannon Sharp off the bench. That Shannon Sharp drew Shaden Yanks. Sharp. Or Shaden Sharp, my bad. Shannon. Skip, skip. Oh, my gosh. Shaden Sharp. I, yes, obviously. Um <laughs> But I did not think I would be saying that a Shaden Sharp pick and roll with Eubanks, like that that is killing the Spurs. That is not something that I would have expected. If you take us back two years when Shaden Sharp was the number one recruit in high school, that would have been crazy to hear about, uh, especially considering it was Portland. Um, Mm -hmm. But regardless of all that, uh, they've got a really good team. and, And it seems like this is, I was just thinking about it. It really feels like this is Dame's most complete team in a while, which is why they're number one in the West right now. So Two tough games against two playoff teams. Um, definitely have more talent than the Spurs. Those were kind of my takeaways just a little bit uh, to start off. But what were your thoughts on the two losses, Ethan? Well, the Warriors won, I expected. Um, I didn't quite expect it to be that bad of a blowout. But I think Trey Jones all, pick as That's well. what I'm saying. As soon as we found out Trey Jones is going to be out, uh, I think everybody expected it to be, to be a loss, especially since he's our only playmaker. I know... Bench playmaking has been a struggle, but when you take him off the team completely, um, I think it was pretty clear Sohan or Sohan did his best, and the, the rest of the team tried, but it, it was it was evident that we were missing a natural point guard that could play make for others. And the Warriors, you know, they're de- the defending champs. They're clearly the better team, so that was to be expected. The Portland game was a lot more competitive. I only watched in real time the first half, um, <clears throat> but Jakob Pertl had a great night. I thought Sohan played a very good game defensively, especially on Dame. Um, KJ and Devin did their thing, got to 20 points. Where it came down to it was, again, our bench unit just looked like it was struggling to to get guys open shots. When Doug McDermott and Josh Richardson aren't, you know, pure from outside and we don't have a guy playmaking for them off the bench unit, it's clear that we're struggling when our starters are resting. And then, like you said, Portland has just complete – you know, they finally have some depth. I've been high on Portland all year. My friends have called me crazy because they're like, oh, it's just Portland again. They'll do what they always do and be competitive enough with Dame, get in the playoffs and lose in the first round. But with Josh Hart and Simons last year playing without Nurk and without Dame and they traded CJ, I feel like the rest of the team really shaped out and they were allowed to kind of find themselves and find their role. And then you bring in guys like Jeremy Grant, who to me is one of the best two-way players in the league. He's been on a tear lately, scoring. He's the only guy averaging, I think it was above 21 on 50, above 50% shooting from the field and 48% from three. 
Like he's playing like an all-star right now. Yes, most definitely an all-star in my opinion. And then defensively, he's also just very, very capable. He's always been a great defender. So when he went to Detroit, he really became a great scorer. So I think he adds a dimension to Portland that they haven't had in forever. But this is the Spurs show. We we won't talk about that too long. But then, of course, Nurkic has always been a capable center. And they got my boy Drew Eubanks paired up with Shaden Sharp off the bench. This is Drew Eubanks' revenge game, Jude. I, I've been watching Portland, and I know his numbers aren't great, but Drew Eubanks' No, impact. he had that and one, man, literally on Jakob after <laughs> yep. Jakob take, took over. And that's another thing, like, not to cut you off, but, like, Jakob taking over at the end of the game, taking people off the dribble on multiple possessions. Yeah. Like, that was crazy. Something we <laughs> haven't seen from him before. You know, not the prettiest thing when you're watching it, but he he executed. He got it done every time. And, and just to add a little bit of uh, some more notes to kind of the end of that game, I know what you said about Jay Rich and Doug is really key because if Jay Rich and Doug are in rhythm, then, you know, these turnovers that I'm about to mention from Keldon down the stretch don't matter because, yeah. right, so those are – that. Doug and Jay Rich not shooting well is always going to hurt the Spurs. Um, but, you know, still some turnovers down the stretch for, for KJ, um, which were disappointing. But, you know, when you look at these things, though, like – you got to remember, and I know age will, won't always be an excuse, but this is their first time like playing like a number one role. Like this is Keldon's first time. Like this whole season, these young guys are going to make mistakes in clutch moments specifically. But that's kind of the point of the season is to get those reps, learn from them, and then you can be comfortable and have experience in those situations moving forward. It's like we said after the Grizzlies game. Like it's, it's you know, they have those reps, you know, and so they're just going to have to, we're going to have to play through this and... There's there's a lot of season left, and I think that you know we talked about. Obviously, they're playing really good teams right now, but I think teams yeah. are starting to get a little bit of a game plan on us too. Um, so I think that's also why you know like the Warriors were able to take advantage a lot. Obviously, Trey Jones factors in a lot there, but that was just a crazy night. Jordan Poole was like the it, Trey Jones would not have impacted that being a blowout or not, in my opinion. Watching no. it, it was just. And that's because, once again, the they have a lot of connections to the Spurs and Steve Kerr respects them. And he was like, oh, they're doing a lot of good stuff, but I'm going to drop a game plan because he was probably paying attention more just because of how close he is with Pop and stuff and had more intel, too, because of, once again, how close he is and how much they talk like he whipped up a game plan and it was just wraps, you know. And so I feel like other like top level coaches are going to start to do that. But that doesn't mean that the Spurs aren't going to steal some as well. Like they're going to be a scrappy team all year. And I think that a lot of their losses are going to be like more like the Portland loss where you're playing a really good team. You're playing them tough, but you're going to shoot yourself in the foot, which is what Keldon talked about after the game, you know, and and that's been the story all year is turnovers. And it's just like, but, you know, you don't want to like brush it away and be like, oh, it's not a problem. But at the same time, it's like, that's kind of what comes with our roster. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's just it's just a development year. The Spurs might do a little bit better than we expected still at the same time. Um, but with that being said, you know, it, it's probably going to be a, a tough road to get into the playoffs for sure. I think the number one thing <clears throat> that has harped us all year so far and will continue to harp us is continuity. Aside from our starting five, and even that hasn't been super continuous with continuous with injuries, but our bench unit, especially, we have to integrate Basie. We've had to integrate Roby and, and KBD. All of our injuries. Cohen. We forget about this with everything going on. Exactly. We lost Primo, which I think, and we lost Blake Wesley. And those two losses, I think, have been huge. I think we've all mm-hmm. noticed it. We cl- clearly need another guard out there that can play make for others. It's been a huge gap 
in our team, mm. but we're still we're still fiddling with rotations. I mean, I don't think I've watched a game like two games in a row where the rotations have been clear cut, the same and continuous from game to game. Mm-hmm. Like Pop is still playing with trying to find guys that have chemistry. Together Isaiah Roby got more minutes last night. You just never know, and and it's that's going to be the case for the rest of the year because so many of our players have not played in the roles they're being asked to play in, you know, for an entire season. So that's just going to be, you know, a sad part of the reality, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's also like a real, like you said, the key word there, I think is also reality though. Yeah. Like, and it's not, and it's also not, but it's not unreasonable for this team to be, to struggle this year. Like that's the other thing that we have to keep in mind too. So um, just another thing that kind of obviously it's going to pop because Jakob went for 31 and 14 and five and, you know, really went off there in the fourth, even though Drew got the last laugh. He's still on my wall, man. I think that's why he he was like, Yak, you did all this work and I'm just going to give you this and one and dagger, man. And he hit the free throw. I love Drew Eubanks, dude. I mean, <laughs> I still no, wish I can... we had him on the team. It's so tough, but it's, it's okay. Basie's. He 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 embodies him. He does his best. He does yeah. his best. He does his best. He'll never be Drew. He'll never be Drew. Nobody will be Drew. <laughs> I mean, they talked about it on the on the stream last night. Like Coach um, Big Shot, what's his name? Chauncey Billups. He loves him, and he talked because I know he might not put up big numbers every night, but this guy brings energy and hustle and effort every single possession, and the team loves him. He's a great team guy. We know him from the bench mob back in the day when he wasn't getting any minutes. He did it for Portland last night. He catches lobs. He, he fights for every extra rebound, every loose ball. He sets good screens. I just I just love his personality. So, you know, infectious. I'm glad to see that he's having some success with the Trailblazers. I hope they go far. I'm I'm glad it's like it's for him. It's just the perfect situation because it's his hometown team, too. So yes. you, you love to see it. You know, you look at his stats like like you're saying it's got not going to be crazy, but it's going to be close to 10 and 10 every night. And that's all they need from a backup center like him. He can go off from time to time. Because last year he was he was getting 25, 27 points a game. Not not every not per game, but he he was getting up there and he was having some spots, right? Because he was basically their only guy offensively that could get them a bucket, which is saying something about the situation yeah. Portland was in last year. But he was able to be that lockdown center for them and score in the post. And he shows glimpses of that. But I think him as a backup for Nurkic is just perfect because Nurk is slower. He's not as athletic, but he's right. more consistently going to be an offensive threat you know and not make as many mistakes but Eubanks can come in and just screw everything up for the opposing team I know this is not about Portland but they're my team no. this year because Eubanks Spurs, aren't... Spurs fans love Eubanks they're, yeah, I, yeah, I think yeah they're here for it a little bit <laughs> I'm rooting for Portland from this point on or actually all year long I've watched a lot of their games this season but I'm they're my sleeper pick for from the west I hope they get to the finals this year please I need to see Eubanks on that stage we just need a Eubanks finals MVP that's what we're all rooting can for you imagine right? In, in the finals, he, he puts Giannis on a poster. <laughs> oh, oh. Oh, my gosh. Well, we got a question from our man Eric Piscina here. He says, with our current roster, including the G League, do you all see a backup point guard? And I think this is something we've talked about before. I think it's Blake Wesley. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think once he gets back from injury, no Austin for him, put him in the rotation. 
and what we saw in that game and a half, I think we'll see more of it. I think it'll allow it'll allow Jay Rich to play off the ball more. It'll allow Doug to play off the the ball more, and and that'll kind of be interesting because that'll really stabilize things. You know, yeah. I mean, obviously Blake, he's still a rookie. He's going to make his mistakes, and it was a small sample size. And maybe we're completely wrong. And when he gets like full minutes, you know, he's super turnover prone and isn't as consistent with the shot. But I feel like when he's going to be he's going to be surrounded by like veterans, basically, like not super old veterans, obviously, but like Zach Collins, it's going to be some, he's going to be in some rotation with Zach Collins, Kieda Bates or Isaiah Roby. Those, all the, those, that front court has been in the league for a while. And then next to, to Jay Rich and Doug. So it's like, that's like almost, you know, obviously there are other, you know, situations that could be better, but for this, he's going to be surrounded by dudes who have a ton of experience. So that's going to kind of mitigate that. And they're just going to ask him to, you know, take the athletic drives off the dribble if he sees it and then other than that just run the offense and catch and shoot because he did that a little bit in in the other games as we saw too so i'm as i'm thinking about this when we're talking about it um i think that's really going to help jay rich and it's going to make life Mm -hmm. easier for jay rich and doug when he comes back too, and push the pace because our bench pace i don't know what the numbers are but it's looked a lot slower because i love jay rich to death but he's a scorer at at heart, a scorer and a spot-up shooter. So he brings the ball up, and it really slows down. We play half-court offense, and that's not where we are at our strongest, especially when you have Doug McDermott, who's running around. You know, he's great in transitioning. Imagine having both of them running around screens. It would be incredible, Jude. That's what I'm saying, bro. And I love Josh Richardson. I think he's a great guy. I want him on the team for as long as we can. Um, But he misses a lot of passes, Jude. I don't know if you've noticed it, too. He's missed a lot of open guys, especially off picks. And it seems to me... He's a little too reliant on Doug McDermott. He looks for Doug more than anybody. And like, if he's it's in trouble, he, it's, it's who he trusts the most. It's who he trusts also- the most. And I understand it, but yeah. you got three other dudes out there on the floor that might have a better shot. I know they're young. I know they might make some stupid mistakes, but it, it just, it's clear that he's only looking for Doug most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I can, you know, they're talking all the time when they're on the yeah. floor. You can just, and it makes sense because everybody else is like almost 10 years younger than them. Yes, like, yes. Like, so it, it's, right. It, it makes complete sense new. with those two. Right, right. Like brand new. Yeah. Um, and he's still 21. Like, yeah. so it, it makes sense. And that's why, once again, when you have both of those guys running off screens, or, I mean, it, it seems like, obviously, like you said, Jay Rich has missed a lot of passes. He's had a lot of turnovers and and it's been... It's been tough at times, you know, with him having to take over that playmaking role off the bench. But it seems like when he has somebody else next to him, he can play make a little like it's like his playmaking is more efficient. And we've talked about that before. So that will also come back when we get Blake back, hopefully. Um, But that that's just mainly like a stabilizer for the roster, I feel like, is is the way that I describe that. Mm, For sure. So another thing I was just thinking about while we were talking, we haven't really done this and kind of gone like player by player just down the roster. Um, So I figured we could just go down the roster and kind of just give our thoughts overall through this kind of first, I don't even know where we are, first eighth of the season, um, maybe quarter. I don't know how many games, what, they played, they're they're six and eight. Fifteen. They're six and nine. We played 15 games. 15, I don't know what 15 divided by 82 is, but we're, we're, we've got a, we've got 15, we're 15 games in. We got a little bit of a sample size now. So I figured we could go down the roster um, and we might as well just start with our man, the starting point guard, Trey Jones. Um, Obviously, I mean, he, 
He's surprised a lot of people around the league, not just us. Um, and we've harped on him the whole time. You know, we, we gave him his flowers on a lot of different episodes. So many of you may expect what we're about to say, but, um, you know, what have you been your thoughts overall on Trey 15 games in? If you want to give him a grade, A minus. And the only reason I'm not giving him an A plus is because sometimes he's a little inconsistent with his floaters and his inside game, but he has improved tremendously as a shooter. It is clear that without him on the court, we lose a lot, especially playmaking. Um, he keeps our team together. He is the glue. He facilitates. He pushes the pace. He does all the little things necessary that you would want in a point guard. I have no complaints other than his sometimes inconsistent floater and uh, inside game. Yeah, I, I would say sometimes his scoring has been inconsistent, but I feel like he's just adjusting more offensively, like he's learning the NBA a little bit more. Um, and eventually he'll he'll get to kind of that Tyus level where he can create off the dribble a little bit more consistently, you know, drive through defenders and maybe do some up and unders, double clutches, whatever. Um, and, and the three-point shot will get more consistent. But we've seen improvement there. That's the main thing for me. Like you said, a little bit inconsistent on the floaters as well sometimes. But, I mean, like the thing I love about Trey this year is last night. He has a bad offensive game, like shooting-wise. But what mm -hmm. does he do? He finds a way. I believe he got a couple steals, but I know for a three. fact he had, yeah, he had three steals and 10 assists. So he finds other ways to contribute. Yeah. So always, even if his shot's not going well, it doesn't matter because he's never really the main scorer anyway. Zero turnovers, too. Oh, there you go. Right. And that's kind of the other. That's what I was saying with like Keldon and, and Devin and stuff like that. You, we love those guys and they have so much talent, but they're just going to have to get more reps and probably get a season or maybe two under their belt for those to really be uh, decreased. Um, mm. But for me, I, I'm with you. I give I'm going to give Trey a minus. Um, he's really just shown out this year and and has shown himself to be a really quality point guard. And remember, I mean, we're going to offer him the qualifying offer or a contract, but like this was a big thing for him in his career moving forward because yeah. there's a lot of teams around the league now that will see him and they'll be like, we this. For sure. All right, well, we'll move on to our shooting guard, Devin Vassell. I'll start off this time. I've talked about this a million times, but the key for me with Devin is just his ability to create off the dribble this year the intensity that he drives with. I mean, it's just, it's night and day when you look at him last year. He was able to create off the dribble a little bit, but this year it's, he attacks every time he's doing it. Like he's going, I mean, he's just going hard, but it's like also he has more skill or he's showcasing more skill than we saw last year whenever it comes to his bag. I've talked so many times about those little elbow jumpers off one foot. The buzzer beater he hit against the Warriors in the first quarter um, was tough as well. Like that's just stuff like being able to contort his body like midair and improvise and still find a way to just get a clean shot off, like creating space. It's it's just, you know, he was three and D basically his whole career. And we were like that. We love that. We think his ceiling can be really high, but he has just shown that he can be a super creative player in isolation this year. Um, and be able to just hit tough buckets in people's faces um, that he wasn't able to showcase last year. So I'm, I'm going to give him an A- minus too because he's just been a consistent 20-plus scorer for the Spurs, and he's still a really solid defender, um, made some plays uh, in, in the Warriors game, even though obviously that was a blowout still. Whenever you get a steal on somebody like Steph, like that's, that's impressive. So, um, you know, he, he's Devin, and I got a shirt on. I'm going to echo everything that you said. Give him an A- minus as well. Terrific shooter. Improved tremendously in that in-between game. Ball handling, being aggressive, obviously got a lot stronger. Defensively, we know what he is. 
The only thing I wish he would work on a little bit is pushing the ball and being a playmaker. I think sometimes when he is the main starter out there, along with four bench unit guys, we don't see the impact as much. And I don't. that's not necessarily all his fault, but it's just the only reason why I'm not willing to give him an A-plus at this point. I agree with you there wholeheartedly. Just another point on his playmaking. He has shown some more playmaking skills, though. He's had some six, five assist games. But mm-hmm. I also see what you're saying because there's been times where it's like, okay, we're out here with the bench unit and Devin is just kind of standing on the perimeter. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And I understand it, like you can catch and shoot and and that's good for the team, but like in that situation, I'd like to see a little bit more Let's put the ball in his hands, have him run the offense, you know, or even just run a pick and roll with Jakob, like mm-hmm. just something like that. I, I see what you're saying there, but I'm yeah. going to dish it back to you for the man who has really kind of been the heart and soul of the team. Um, obviously, Devin is super key too, but but KJ with the energy he brings and the way that he's been shooting and with Devin's injury as well, the way that we were able to get some wins under our belt in, in light of that because of him. Um, you know, he, he's really just turned into a star that the that, yeah. that Spurs fans have fell in love with. So what's your takeaways from Keldon 15 games in? I mean, I, I don't want to give him an A+, because obviously there's room for improvement. There have been some issues every once in a while. Uh, turning over the ball has been a big one. Occasionally inconsistent from shooting. But he has absolutely been our all-star. I don't, I don't know if he'll be an all-star, but for our team, our best player. He has improved tremendously as a shooter. Um, as a scorer in the in-between game, he has a post-up game that I didn't know he had. Obviously, he's still strong, but he's lost enough weight to be quick enough to guard threes. He's improved as a defender. He's improved as a playmaker. He's gotten up to five, six, seven assists in a game. Um, uh, before, I think his career high was like three. So mm-hmm. obviously, he has taken that challenge to be that number one option and taken it wholeheartedly. He's improved as a free throw shooter as well. There is very little Keldon could do more of, aside from just maybe getting a, even more consistent and you know tightening up those turnovers. But I think that will come with time and with reps. I agree with everything you said. All I got to say with Keldon is turnovers and defense. Those are the two main things for me this this year. I've, I've been watching his defense a little bit more, and I was a little bit. I, I want. I feel like my my view on it has changed. Like mm. I feel like I was a little bit more optimistic, but now that I've watched the tape, and it's not that he's bad, but that is like his next step. Like if he wants mm. to be like you said, like a guaranteed all star every time, he needs to be a lockdown defender. And obviously, that's tough to just do overnight, and that's not yeah. going to happen even over an off season. But he has all of the physical tools to to be an imposing force on defense, um, especially now that he's guarding the threes and the twos. He can really bully guys with, you know, mm-hmm. with, with his big body. So <laughs> anyways, um, our man, Keldon, that, that's really all I have. Just clean up. But the turnovers, I think, are going to happen. And the defense, it's just like learning rotations and schemes. Yeah. It's the mental yeah. side. It's not all physical. I've just seen him get beat on backdoor cuts a little bit lackadaisical. He's in the top 10, per, like of the top 10 of the NBA. He has, I believe he's at number seven. Um, go to NBA University. They tweeted it. It's a Twitter account. Um, 
and he is giving up like like the highest he's number seven he's the seventh highest one-on-one field goal percentage like people when they're going up against him they're shooting 71 percent wow so yeah and i don't think that that stat i think that stat is a little misleading like i don't think that he's like that that's a crazy stat but i don't think that he's like that bad like i just yeah. think that there's you know there's some things it's all mental like when i watched the tape after i saw that it's like okay it's not once again not physical he has all the tools and he's coached by greg popovich in the spurs so i feel like over seasons that's that's going to get better um as time progresses but yeah mm. that's really my only criticisms on keldon everything else mm. you said i mean he's just it's like we're saying that but it's hard to even criticize him because he's literally just turned into our best player and is like scoring even more than DeJounte did like yeah. consistently last year. So it's, it's it, like with all of that being said, he's also like the reason we're winning a lot of games or the, the, re- the games that we've won. He's the reason why in all of them, like without him, we don't win any of those. So he's doing a lot of things good. So it, it, it's a balance. I'm sure that's tough for pop because it's like, you want them to keep getting better, but it's also like, you've got to congratulate them. You got to let them like be appreciative of the stuff they're doing because without yeah. that, you'd be you'd be toast exactly all right i'm gonna pass it to you again because i know you love your boy jeremy sohan and i feel like you can describe this very well just with his defensive versatility um and all the stuff that he brings to the table what are your thoughts on sohan uh you know being a starting rookie on the spurs 15 games in i think he's been great i know a lot of fans will crap on him because he's not averaging crazy numbers i think seven points four rebounds right now mm-hmm. and his, his three-point shot obviously is inconsistent needs help it will get worked on in the offseason i am sure but his impact cannot be understated or overstated whichever one means that it's great his impact <laughs> is great defensively and offensively he has shown that he is a great basketball player as far as playmaking he understands where he's supposed to be where everyone else is supposed to be Obviously, Pop trusts him. He gave him the keys to the to the offense in the Golden State game. Obviously, we got blown out. Not a great sign. But it's Pop has trust in him. He doesn't have trust in a lot of guys to run the offense. Especially Clearly at 19 sees, years old. Exactly. Clearly, he sees something in Sohan. And then defensively, he's already, to me, at that close to all-NBA level. He is guarding the best player every single night and giving them fits. They might go off every once in a while, but he is it's not for a lack of trying. His effort is there. His his skill is clear. His talent is otherworldly defensively. It will come offensively. He shows glimpses, Jude. He has a nice post game that I didn't know he had that is, for some reason, even more consistent than his three-point shot. So if he ever gets his three-point shot consistent and can get more comfortable offensively, I think he's got all-star potential. Um, it's just a matter of will he do it. And I think he has that that mindset and that drive to be great. Um, he clearly understands basketball and how to play within pop system. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, the things for me, whenever it comes to criticisms, obviously, like I agree with you wholeheartedly on defense. He's already an above average defensive. Mm. Like he came in an above average defensive player. Um, the perfect modern switchable four. whenever it comes to his size, all it is is offensive development. That's yep. all it is. It's, it's really similar to Kawhi. 
Like, I know that sounds that that's a lot to say, because like you said, finals MVP in your third year, like all that stuff. And and that, you know, just with the trajectory of the Spurs, I mean, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. But like, you don't really have like all stars next to him. So it's like, will he live up to that? Probably not. But at the same time, I mean, he, we, we are saying these guys are future stars, but established all stars, like freaking three Hall of Famers on your team. You know what yeah. I mean? That's a different situation. Um but if he can develop like into an elite offensive player, he's going to be one of the best players in the league in like six, seven years. That's that's very long term down the stretch. Like it is going to take a long time for him to develop offensively. We've talked about this before, um, but he's shown some things, like you said. And I mean, he's got a lot of stuff on the in, inside the paint or not the paint. I mean, there there is some stuff in the paint, but inside the three-point line, like, like 10, he's got 15 a, feet range, yeah. Yeah, he's got a lot of stuff in his bag and it's it's kind of like Jakob. It's prettier than Jakob, but it's still not like the prettiest, but it doesn't matter because it, it works and he can execute. Um I've seen him take dudes off the dribble um a lot more and then put a shoulder into him and then just get an easy little shot, you know, just to create that space. Um and he's really just, you know, he's shown a lot that maybe you wouldn't have expected from him in that kind of range, you know, immediately coming in. And it feels like he's improved over these 15 games, too, and gotten a little bit more confidence. The three-point shot, you know, like we've mentioned before, and Sean Elliott said, you know, on the broadcast, that's not, you can't fix a shot mid-season. So, you know, that's probably going to take a little bit. But it's like you said, if he gets that, like down the line after a couple of off seasons of working on that, if he can get that to like a 35% clip and, you know, become a solid offensive scorer. I mean, this is very long-term talk here, but you see the potential in him and you see why pop is starting him um, yeah. at 19 years old, because yeah, if he gets a developed offensive game, like a good one, he's going to be a problem every night. For sure. We'll move on to Jakob. I'll start off with this one, man. He he has just become everything that we already loved about him, but more. He's getting better, which is just something that probably I wouldn't have expected. I would have said he's kind of close to his ceiling just with him already being older. But this year, we've seen him take people off the dribble. Um, we've seen his playmaking you know, numbers go up, and we knew he already had that. Um, just the way he's aggressive. Uh, we've talked about that too. We, we, there was a little bit of a lull for like two games, um, when all the injury stuff and the primo stuff was going on, but he's been aggressive other than that all season long. Um, and it, I mean, it, it, he's been the defensive anchor. The Spurs would have a lot of problems with, without Jakob Pertl out there. He's, he cleans up everything. Um, he swatted a bunch of people. I mean, it seems like his, he's even got stronger. He's still kind of a more limber seven-footer, but that's good because that allows him to run the floor and play with sp- with pace. You know, I was watching the, the Trailblazer, and then Nurk is kind of huffing and puffing getting up there. Mm. And obviously the Trailblazers are going to be fine, but it's like that makes you appreciate somebody like Jakob who can run the floor with those guys when that's what kind of the Spurs are trying to do right now. Um, so, I mean, all the starters, I'm giving A-minuses, but I feel like they're just all exceeding our expectations because we're expecting – you know, and, and, and there's a lot of season left, but still they're not, you know, bottom of the league right now. Mm. So I agree with everything that you said. Um, I would just say that to me, Jakob still needs to keep like when he's aggressive, like we saw last night, he is tremendous, you know, an incredible player. I think he needs to keep that maybe not at that level, but he needs to, he still needs to up his aggressiveness from day to day because it is still very inconsistent for me, for my mm-hmm. taste. 
Um, but his impact can, is is tremendous, as always, defensively, being a pick setter. Even if he's not scoring, he's definitely helping. Like, like he doesn't have to score to feel his impact. But it would be helpful if he continued to play at that same level of aggressiveness. Um, but I'll still give him an A- as well. Good point. Good point there, Ethan. And another thing that's kind of come up with Jakob, just to do a little side note here, is this, and this was kind of after last night, and this is, should we trade him? Like, that's what everybody's saying. You know, 31 and 14 and 5, his trade value, you know, this would be the highest it is. He's in the last year of his contract. Um, so I saw a lot of conversation about that last night. So just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that there, too. Uh, I mean, if the right kinda, trade, if the right trade comes along, if you get offered three first or something crazy, I feel like you have to take it. But at the same time, I don't think we're going to be in the running for the playoffs with or without him. So if yeah. there's a way we can keep him on the team while still, you know, maintaining our goal of getting a top five pick or whatever that may be in the lottery, I'd like to keep him because I think he fits our team. He clearly gets along with the guys. Pop loves him. And to me, he's someone that doesn't have the ego to where if we did draft, like, say, a Victor Wimbanyama or some incredible center down the line, he wouldn't have an issue with saying, okay, I'll play here for, like, a year, let him develop, and then move to the bench and become our backup center. Like, I, I feel like he would have the ego to let that happen. Um, and there's not a lot of guys that would be willing to do that. Maybe I'm wrong, but he feels like a spur. So I'd like to keep him if we can. Yeah, I that's what I was about to start. I'm kind of indifferent. Like if it's a great trade for the Spurs, mm. like I understand it because he's in the last year of his contract. Like I'm not against it, but also I'm not against keeping him like you just kind of mentioned because he fits everything. And, and, you know, last night, even though they lost, it's like I'm looking at that scoreline and I'm like, this is really nice. I like this Devin, this Devin Jakob. Keldon big three question mark like that's what I'm thinking you know and obviously that's a far way down the line but the fact that he's getting better when I feel like most people around the league still like thought he had a lot of high value they probably would have felt like his ceiling was kind of around you know where it was going to be but he's showing this year that that there's more to his game and he can keep getting better and he's still 27 so like he's just entering his prime and you know maybe in the Spurs development system he can continue to keep adding things to his game so Mm. I agree for sure for sure and you know since we kind of went through the starting lineup here um so we can do maybe the bench and the rest of the roster at another time if you're down um yeah whatever you want man where we can keep going I don't know but um anyways you're just full contest you were asking you're saying you haven't eaten yet so yeah I'm pretty hungry but yeah if if we can do it pretty quick I'm down with here well we'll we'll speed up then yeah we'll speed up kind of just go through the bench here um so we'll start off we can just do these guys together Doug and Jay Rich I'd give them both b pluses and the only reason I'm not going to give them an a is because when we don't have a playmaker their weaknesses are a lot clearer and they're not allowed to be as impactful as usual but when they're playing next to a Trey Jones or when they were playing with a Blake Wesley, I thought that they would have been in that A, a level because they were being instant spark plugs and scoring very well and being that veteran presence that we need. I'm going to give them B pluses just because, and, and, it, and this may be, you know, due to like Blake Wesley being hurt, all the injuries and Jay Rich having to play like out of his strengths. But even Doug has kind of been in the same role the whole time. And mm-hmm. obviously it's once again, it's just not as easy with all of the injuries and everything. Um, but 
there's been just some games where they haven't showed up kind of like this Portland game last night where it's like if they do and I know it's it's tough with everybody out but like Devin and KJ and Jakob were all 20 plus scorers last night you know and if there's just you know let's see Doug shot two for eight he goes mm-hmm. three for eight and Jay Rich goes two for four instead of oh for four and you win the game obviously different things happen with momentum th- swings and stuff um, just that's always a little asterisk next to that when you're talking about it. But still, if those guys are hitting their shots, you know, it's a much closer game down the stretch and Portland has to overcome a little bit more. Um, and we've seen that in, in multiple games throughout the season where sometimes they're just not always on. So just can, because of the inconsistency from time to time um, and with them being veterans, so you'd expect a little bit more of that. Um, that's why that keeps them out of the A category for me. Um, but we can kind of mesh this together. This one's kind of tough because there's not really a point guard because Primo was here. Now he's gone. Um, so and we only really have like a game and a half on Blake Wesley. So I feel like that's not really enough to give a grade. Um, but mm. we do have Romeo Langford. So let's talk about him because that's the other guard who's played a lot. Defensively, he's been great at times when he's aggressive at getting to the rim. He has shown glimpses of you know, what he was back in the day, uh, touted as a very high level talent. You know, he, he can finish with either hand. He's pretty creative around the rim. Um, and I, I think one, maybe two threes went down. So he's got the confidence to take them. It's just a matter of getting them consistent. He's shown glimpses, Jude, and he's clearly developing. I think he, his effort is definitely up from preseason. He clearly wants to be here or at least make a name for himself because of how things have gone for him in the past. Um, I know right now he hasn't been playing because of injury. Hopefully when he comes back, he can really hit the cool. ground running because I'd like to see what he he has left in the tank. I want to say he actually got COVID. It said health oh, did he? safety protocols. Yeah. Oh, so hopefully that's not too toe. long. Yeah. yeah. But he came back after the toe. He played a game oh. and then, yeah. Oh, did he play against Milwaukee? I'm pretty sure. Or, I don't I want to say he came back after the toe because he was in the boot and then he played a game and then he was in health and safety protocols. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't yeah. remember. But I could be I could be wrong too. So, but Romeo Langford being one of the team's best on-ball defenders and being a competent offensive player, like much better than what we saw in the little spurts last year and proving us wrong and beating out Joe Wieskamp for that last spot on the roster when a lot of people in the chat and us were pretty adamant he was the one who was going to get cut. Um, He's just impressed everybody and exceeded everybody's expectations. He's nothing crazy, so I'm just going to give him a B plus two, but still at the same time... um, you know, without having him, he has provided some very important depth, especially right now. Obviously, yeah. had to deal with some injuries and now COVID, but at the same time, um, still, it's been huge to have him like just be a competent player. He's been another stabilizer in the instability that it has been the uh, the playmaking off the bench for the Spurs this season, for sure. And then we can end with our guy Zach Collins. I would say we, we could talk about Isaiah Roby and Keita Bates, but I mean, we're just, they, they've been solid. <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah, solid defense, good shooting. They don't really, you know, there's not really too much to take away from, from no, Keita Bates and, really. and Isaiah. But Zach, I think there is more to take away from. Um, you know, he's proved, I clowned him a little bit in the preseason. He proved, hey, it's just the preseason. We're not trying as hard. When the regular season started, Zach has definitely shown more than he's shown as a spur. Um, it's been his best basketball as a spur, in my opinion, so far. Um, his ability to stretch the floor, be a face-up guy, um, be aggressive on the interior, 
Sometimes he does get pushed about, pushed around because he is a, a thinner big, but at the same time, he still plays with that mean, nasty aggressiveness. Um, you know, we criticized it a little bit in the first couple games, but that's that's come back, kind of that Portland Zach that we saw, um, which is just, you know, you love to kind of have that paired with Jay Rich off the bench just to bring a little nasty, as Pop likes to say. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's still only 24. Um, I love to see the improvement and, you know, uh, he's somebody else I'd like to keep around, but it's going to be interesting with Basie, you know, if they play him at the four moving forward. Um, but I'm going to give, I'm going to give him an A minus just because, um, the way that he's developed this year and it's just been, it, it, I didn't think it was going to happen and it feels like he's consistently improved. I was very skeptical as well. I've been very, not very hard, but harder on Zach than most people, mostly because, I felt like his physicality wasn't enough to keep up with the other centers around the league. I felt like he got bullied a lot, got out-rebounded a little too often. But you're right. After the first couple of games, his, his physicality has improved greatly. His, he's always had a high motor, but now his body seems to be able to keep up with his motor. He is chasing every board, every loose ball, you know, fighting for every, every inch, every scrap, um, setting great picks. Offensively, like you said, he's – he can space the floor. He opens up the offense for the rest of the guys, and he makes great plays out of the high out of the high post and in the pick and roll. Um, he can really find backdoor cuts. Um, you know, great vision for a big guy. Greatly improved. I'm hoping that he can continue to improve as the season goes forward because he was definitely on an upward trajectory before he got right. injured. Right. And that's what you hope we don't see more of, just because you have seen a lot of that in his career. Yeah. Um, because that's kind of what I was hinting at, like why I gave him an A minus, because I feel like he's showing that his ceiling is higher, which is what he was talking about before the season, which is huge for the Spurs. Um, <laughs> and that's and, and that's why the Basie thing kind of complicates things because it does. Basie shows a lot too. And that's that also kind of ties into the Jakob thing. Like with the emergence of him, are you more willing to trade him uh, because it doesn't? you're not winning the championship this year anyway? and you can try to get more in those Scoot Henderson, Victor Wembanyama sweepstakes, and you've still got Charles Basie and Zach Collins, which, you know, are dudes who can play. And yeah. you've still got Gorgie on the roster, like, with that being said. And Don Barlow in the G League. Right, right. So you've got big depth. And and Isaiah Roby has, you know, the play size to play, to play the five, right? Um, yeah. So you've got a lot more uh, depth in the front court than you've had over the past couple of years. So that's another interesting thought there, but we'll go ahead and wrap this episode of SSPN up. We appreciate you guys hanging out. Um, I don't even know who they're playing next. Well, I'll go ahead and look at the schedule here. Um, They will play the Sacramento Kings tomorrow night, and then they have a trip to Los Angeles over the weekend for another doubleheader with the Clippers on Saturday and the Lakers on Sunday. So Mm. California trip staying on the West coast. Uh, Sacramento is they're They're really on their stride. These are, these are all going to be tough games except for the Lakers. Pretty much. But just knowing our luck, the Lakers might decide to come and play very well that night. They suck. They do. No, (laughs) I gotta stop. They do. If, if, I'm saying that I'm hating way too much. No, no, no. If, if Bron comes back, <laughs> it would make so much sense for Bron to stay hurt and then come back for the Spurs game and just drop a triple double and be like, oh Father gosh. Time's losing. And then the next game, <laughs> drop like three points with eight turnovers. It would just make sense. But Appreciate yeah, hopefully. You, Joshua. Thank you, sir. Yeah. 
anyways, um, I, I say that, and now I probably just curse them. So, probably. Yeah, yeah. No, that'll be a tough game. That that's going to be a tough game. <laughs> In the realistic approach, that will be a tough game for the Spurs. It probably will be one that goes down to the wire. But it would be very satisfying. For the it would be to do it. But in LA, no. I said this. Wait, no. The, and 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 the Clippers game was pretty close. I wouldn't do. Is it yeah. will Kawhi play? No. I mean, it's in LA. Maybe <laughs> if he doesn't play, no. he's scared. Confirmed again. Confirmed. <laughs> All right, y'all. Once again, we appreciate you guys watching SSPN tonight. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you enjoy any of our content. And also, if you want to stay up to date with the show, go ahead and follow us on Twitter at SSPN on YT. You can watch the show there if you want. Um, and at Jude McLaren and at Ethan Quintero, uh, to or at Ethan underscore Quintero to stay up to date with the show. So we appreciate y'all. We'll catch y'all in the next one. And these are another tough stretch of games on the West Coast. Easton. Late night trips for the Spurs. Hopefully they can get some dubs. <laughs>